listening to WETF, the jazz station in South Bend, Indiana. My name is John Clark, and thank you for being with us this week. This is the Jazz Focus, by the way, and we are listening to the music of a very influential and popular band from the early to middle 1930s. This is not a band that we talk about too much today as being a swing band, for example. It precursed, if that's a verb, uh, the bands of Benny Goodman and uh, even Count Basie and the uh, later Duke Ellington band and so forth. This was a band known as the Casaloma Orchestra, and it was actually an offshoot of a band called the Orange Blossoms, which was an, a unit that was uh, put out by the Gene Gold Kett Orchestra in the 1920s from Detroit. This band uh, had a fairly stable personnel. It was probably the B or the C band of that organization, and it became uh, pretty popular in Canada. It played in Toronto in the late 1920s at the Casaloma Ballroom, I think it was, or the Casaloma Resort in Toronto, and they took that name as their band name. And by by the late 1920s, 1929 or so, they had left the Gold Kid organization and they had become a cooperative unit, meaning they had uh, decided to go into business together and they elected officers from the musicians and so forth. And that's how the band lasted for about 10 years. The Bob Crosby Band had a similar type of organization. So they began recording for Brunswick and then later Decca in 1929. Uh, we are going to be listening to recordings that they made for various transcription services in 19. Probably 1935. I say probably because the dates on these are very uh, murky. Uh, there are a lot of transcriptions that this band did. Uh, there's one CD I have that says summer of 1934, but the recordings that are uh, coincident with the ones from February and October of 1935 sound to me to be completely identical. So I think these were actually from both February and October of 1935. And we're going to be hearing an interesting band with really only one or two major soloists in it. Uh, these were musicians who by and large uh, cast their lot with the Casaloma band and became well-known as it was for playing with that band. So in the trumpet section, we have a lead trumpeter named Sonny Dunham, who was responsible for the high note trumpet solos. We heard him at the end of the tune we just finished with, uh, which is called Walkin' the Dog, and probably the trumpet solo at the beginning of that as well. And also uh, on the first tune of the uh, program, which was Old Man River. We also have a fellow named Bobby Jones, who I don't think soloed on trumpet, but Grady Watts was a trumpet player who did solo. He played a much more middle-range, kind of a driving uh, trumpet uh, style. Uh, Sonny Dunham played the high notes and much more bravura in the Louis Armstrong setting. He also had a very sharp articulation, which it sets him apart a little bit. In the trombone section, we have Pee Wee Hunt, who was a, a comic and a singer. I, we may or may not hear one vocal that he did coming up. We're going to concentrate on instrumentals on this. Um, and he played trombone. Fritz Hummel played trombone, but the solos and the lead part are played by a fellow named Billy Rausch, who was a really outstanding uh, soloist and trombone player of this period. He can well be mentioned in the same breath as Tommy Dorsey. In the saxophone section, we have uh, Glenn Gray playing alto saxophone. He was uh, he became the, the front man of this band. He wasn't known as a soloist or even as a particularly good musician, but he was a very good businessman and a good, handsome guy out front waving the baton, and he did play in the section as well. Art Ralston played a lead alto, I believe. He also occasionally played 
uh, English horn and oboe and so forth. Clarence Hutchenrider played alto. He did some alto solos we're going to hear, but he was responsible for all of the clarinet solos, and he was really a clarinet stylist in his own right. Uh, Albert Nicholas, who played with the uh, clarinet with the Louis Russell Band, remembered hearing this band and, and singling out Clarence Hutchenrider for praise for his feeling and his sound. You also will hear some baritone sax work uh, that will be done by Hutchenrider. On tenors, we have Kenny Sargent, who was the ballad singer of the band. We're not going to hear him today. And Pat Davis, who did the solos. He was kind of a, an erratic soloist, but uh, no worse than most of the white tenor players of the day. He uh, does get a couple of very good solos off on these recordings, which we'll be hearing. Joe Hall, actually I think his name was Howard Hall, but he was called uh, Joe, and he was the piano player. Jack Blanchett played guitar. He had replaced Gene Gifford, who was a charter member of the band. He played guitar, and he is responsible for probably most, if not all, of the arrangements in this group. Uh, he was a, a, a very innovative early white arranger, making charts in, in the swing style, but in a very kind of uh, methodical, almost robotic uh, way, as we will hear on some of these charts. But at any rate, he's not participating on this recording session other than through his arrangements. Stanley Dennis plays bass. Tony Briglia, uh, Briglia rather, plays drums. And uh, we have some doubles in there as well. There are some places you might hear a fourth trombone, and that was Sonny Dunham. He also played very respectable trombone. So as I mentioned, we started out with Old Man River and then went to Walk in the Dog, which featured mostly Sonny Dunham trumpet solos, along with Clarence Hutchenrider on clarinet, um... Joe Hall on piano in Old Man River. He didn't get too many piano solos, but on the first number he did. Pat Davis on tenor sax, and Clarence Hutchenrider on clarinet. I just said that, didn't I? Billy Rush on trombone. They were the main soloists of the band. So now we're going to go to an out-and-out -out jazz tune. Remembering all of these were recorded for various transcription services. I think it was associated transcriptions that were most of these, and they were done probably in February and October of 1935. We're going to go to Copenhagen, a jazz tune from about 10 years before. Uh, this had had some big band versions done during this period, most notably by uh, Earl Hines' band. Then from there, we're going to go to the theme song of the Apollo Ballroom. I may be wrong, but I think you're wonderful. Following that, we'll hear Loveless Love, the W.C. Handy tune. Then an interesting little uh, tune uh, that uh, didn't have much play anywhere but uh, the Casaloma band called Stompin' Around, which was an original by Gene Gifford as well. So we'll hear one of his original tunes. And then we're going to finish off that uh, set with Chinatown My Chinatown, kind of a take on the Louis Armstrong version of this tune, which features, suitably, Sonny Dunham playing some high-note trumpet work, uh, doing his best imitation of Louis Armstrong. So those are our tunes from February and October of 1935, radio transcriptions by the Casaloma Orchestra. Copenhagen, I May Be Wrong, Loveless Love, Stomping Around, and Chinatown.
So that was the Casaloma Orchestra, led by Glenn Gray, fronted by Glenn Gray at any rate, from probably February and October of 1935 for Associated Transcriptions. We started out with the jazz tune Copenhagen that had been... Uh, uh, a jazz standard starting about 10 years before this, featuring the clarinet of Clarence Hutchenrider and the tenor sax of Pat Davis, and both of those soloists appear on just about every one of these tunes. On I May Be Wrong, a much more laid-back, danceable tune, we had uh, Grady Watts, I think, starting out playing the first trumpet solo with... um, uh, the last uh, climactic trumpet notes played by Sonny Dunham, all those high notes. And we also heard a little piano solo again by Joe Hall. Then we heard the W.C. Handy tune, Loveless Love, which I think again featured Grady Watts. It's a little bit hard to, to tease out those two trumpet solos because sometimes um, Dunham could uh, fool you and play in the low register and play a very rich sound down there, and Grady Watts could hit some high notes occasionally as well. Then that Gene Gifford tune, Stompin' Around, which uh, gave us some more Billy Rosh on trombone, a really underrated trombone player from the time, uh, along with Pat Davis again. And then Sonny Dunham definitely to the fore on Chinatown, My Chinatown, which also featured Pat Davis. Pat Davis, as I said, was one of the most featured members of this band. He was not widely respected as a great tenor sax soloist, although, as I said, his style wasn't quite where swing tenor players were in 1934 or 5, but it wasn't uh, too far behind either, and there were certainly worse players. I'm reminded of the early Charlie Barnett solos that uh, one commentator described as being like a duck on roller skates. That's a sort of similar tone quality to it and uh, approach as well. So we're going to go on to another set. Same band, same vintage, I suppose, and and similar tunes. We're going to start with Jelly Roll Morton's tune, The Wolverine Blues, which also had a little bit of a renaissance at this point, 1935 or so. Uh, Louis Armstrong had an arrangement in his book, as did the um, uh, Earl Hines Band and some other ones as well. So that was coming back. Then we had a tune called Blue Again, which was a Fields and McHugh tune, Dorothy Fields and Jimmy McHugh, which uh, Louis Armstrong made his own. Not too many other bands recorded this, but an interesting melodic structure to that. Then the uh, K. Swift ballad from this period, in fact it was a brand new tune in 1935, Can't We Be Friends, which features some fine playing by Hutchin Ryder and the rest. Then we're going to have a nice arrangement, I don't know if this was a Gifford arrangement or not, but of Song of the Islands. This was a little off the beaten track, a little more uh, atmospheric, I guess, with some great Billy Rosh trombone playing in there, you'll hear. And then we're going to finish up with Blue Room, which was a uh, tune by Rogers and Hart from the late 20s. It was a supposedly a great Bill Chalice arrangement for the Gene Gold Cat Band, and this uh, arrangement may have been inspired by that. That arrangement was probably uh, recorded by Bill Chalice around the same time in 1934-35, and it was a pretty uh, innovative arrangement for the middle 1920s, maybe not so much for the 1930s, but some interesting effects nonetheless. So those are our tunes. We remember the Casaloma Band was really a dance band. It did shows, but uh, dancing was the the coin of the realm at this time, and uh, all of this was very good dance music at different tempos. So the Wolverine Blues, Blue Again, Can't We Be Friends, The Song of the Islands, and Blue Room. Thank you. 
We had a little extra time there, so I threw in one more. The Man I Love, the Gershwin tune, which is usually taken very uh, stately, uh, but here taken as sort of an up-tempo dance number. The only other version of that that I know that's that fast was a quartet version that Zoot Sims did in the 1970s or 80s, I think. Um, this featured an especially good clarinet solo by Clarence Hutchinrider, who was really one of the superior clarinet soloists, I think, of the swing era. He and Johnny Mintz were right on the heels of Benny Goodman. Of course, Goodman had it all, but they were two players who um, could match him almost for technique and sound as well. And uh, they were both very well-known clarinet players on the New York scene. Hutchinrider had to take some time off. He had uh, health problems, I think, in the late 40s, but he came back and he played in the various jazz bands in the 60s and 70s and into the 80s, I think, in New York. He lived to 1991. We also heard a nice trombone trio in there, led by Billy Rosh, uh, with um, Fritz Himmel and um, uh, Pee Wee uh, uh, Hunt in there as well. There too many Pee Wees, I was getting them mixed up. Pee Wee Hunt is the third trombone player. So we started out that set with the Wolverine Blues, which featured an alto sax solo, which I think was also by Hutchinrider. Uh, neither uh, Art Ralston nor Glenn Gray were considered soloists, and... Uh, there was no nearby clarinet solo, so I think it was Clarence. Then we went to Blue again, and Can't We Be Friends, again, both featuring superb clarinet solos. Then we heard the Song of the Islands, which I think featured Sonny Dunham, some flashier trombone or trumpet playing there, some high notes and some very dramatic sounds, as opposed to Blue Room, which had a much more driving middle register trumpet solo that I believe was the work of Grady Watts. Again, there, they, there were certain similarities of approach, but just the attack uh, that Grady Watts had was much more uh, light and uh, sort of on the beat, uh, or around the beat, I guess you'd have to say, than Sonny Dunham's was, which was very sharp and very right on top of the beat. Anyway, and then we finished up with The Man I Love. So I hope you've enjoyed this program. This is some music you don't hear too often anymore. The Casaloma Band recorded frequently for Brunswick and Decca in the early 30s, going up into the 40s. I believe they disbanded they, in 1947 when most of the big bands collapsed. Uh, Glenn Gray had actually bought out the other members of the cooperative, and he was the sole leader at that point. He went into retirement, and then he came out of retirement to front uh, some bands, not so much in live dates, but on recordings for big band recreations in the 1960s, and uh, he died, I think, in about 1963. He wasn't a very old man, only about 63, 64 or so, but he had 15 or 16 albums from that late period. Uh, he did the East Coast versions of the Time Life big band recreations, and Billy May did the West Coast versions. So we have time for two more. We're going to hear the Basin Street Blues, the Spencer Williams tune, made famous, of course, by Louis Armstrong and later Jack Teagarden. And then we're going to hear an absolutely storming version of a 1922 tune called the Limehouse Blues, which was a jazz standard. And we'll hear what made the Casaloma Band stand out among its contemporaries, the really precise ensemble playing, not uh, laid-back swing by any stretch of the imagination, but very, very... Um, direct and powerful playing and good solos all around. So you've been listening to The Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. We are here together on WETF, the jazz station in South Bend, Indiana. Hope you tune in every week and see what we're up to. So thank you very much, and here are two more Casaloma tunes, the Basin Street Blues and the Limehouse Blues. <laughs> 